Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. Big D and the Sleeves, we're back after a week off. I'm Big D. With me, as always, the pinky to my, the brain, the Sleeve. Say hi to the people. It's good to be back on the show. We took that week off, and I won't, I won't lie to you, brain. I certainly missed it. It's true. You know, we were sitting here trying to figure out what we were going to do tonight, and really, I said we decided we are going to do the same thing we do every Tuesday night. And that is? Record a podcast. That sounds like a good time. All right, so in that case, we're in. Uh, now, I'd like to point out, uh, Sleaze, tell the people why we didn't record last week. Where were you? Well, that's a great question. Unfortunately, we were unable to record due to my forgetfulness and lack of ability to acquire s- supplemental technology. I was in Augusta, Georgia for the first major of the PGA Tour golf season. I was at the Masters, Big D. I was at the Masters tournament. And let me tell you something. At Augusta National Golf Club, things are pretty special. You know, and so I've heard. So I've heard now. Uh, what were your, your basic impressions? Like, Tell us a little about uh, the Masters for those of us who didn't follow. Yeah, it was, it was the, the course is beautiful. Uh, it's, it, it's absolutely meticulous. Uh, more impressive than, than the condition is the attention to detail and the willingness and communication everybody has for the greater cause, that is to put on a phenomenal golf tournament. Tuesday night after the practice round, they had, they had a storm and a tree fell on a bathroom. A tree actually fell on a bathroom uh, for the spectators. And in a press conference Wednesday morning, the, uh, the chairman of, of the Masters Committee said that the bathroom down on hole 14 uh, will be dressed and fixed and up and running by the end of the day today. Everyone in the press room chuckled. You, you, know, you, you know, a tree fell on a brick and stone bathroom. Yeah, the, brick and, the, the tree was removed, chipped, and spread in the corner of the property and the bathroom was rebuilt by the end of the day, that day. Just an impressive, impressive uh, event. Um, everyone know, you know, Bubba Watson broke through, won his first major after the second, second playoff hole. Pretty amazing event. And Louis Oosthuizen, that's right, Louis Oosthuizen did not win, came in second. Great battle. Everyone knows what happened. It was all over television. Big win for Bubba Watson. But interesting fact, and the thing I want to discuss with you is on the second hole, Par 5, Louis Oosthuizen hit his second shot, and it landed on the green, rolled in the hole for a 2 on a par 5. A 2, a double eagle or albatross. First double eagle recorded on that hole in Masters history. He walks up, grabs the ball, flips it to a fan. So my question to you, Big D, it's history. You have a piece of history here that was just given to you. Do you sell it, do you donate it, or do you give it back? Or, I'm sorry, do you keep it or give it back or sell it? Well, it's tough to imagine. I mean, you sell it. You're not exactly talking Barry Bonds' 700-some-odd home run, you know, right. ball here. We're talking, I mean, this is a big thing, obviously, but uh, the golf market is significantly smaller than you can find for other sports. I, I believe, what was it? It was, it was going to be worth $4,000 or so uh, if he yeah. lost. If, if, if Louie would have won, it would have been about twenty five grand. With him losing, it's about four grand, three grand. You know, not 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 a big number. No, still a good, you know, still a decent amount of money. But uh, for that, I might have just tried to see if I could negotiate a few perks. You know, uh, go that route. You know, but yeah. uh, either way, I would definitely, I definitely wouldn't hold on to it for myself. 
Yeah, you know, and I, I like to perk around, and everyone says, you know, why, you know, why, why, why'd you throw, why'd you get it back, you know, why you could have sold it, you could have negotiated it. And my standpoint, and I'm so glad you asked what I would have done, Big D, because I know it was on the tip of your tongue. What I would have done is simple. I would have said, guys, this ball means a lot to you. It's tradition. You can have it. I don't really need it. However, I do need three things from you. I'm going to need master's badges for life. I need at least two, two to four for the whole week for the rest of my life. That's true. Number big, one. big D's got to be there. Absolutely. I got to bring our we got to bring our camera guy cuz Absolutely. Who knows where we'll be by then. Next, I want to let I I, I want to be able to play one round per year there. I don't even need to bring a guest. I just need to play that place one time per year. And third, and most importantly, and would be this would be the sticking point, but I need to have this. A lifetime supply of their world famous pimento cheese sandwiches shipped to my house weekly. For the, for, for the rest of my life. That's all I need. I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. That's what I think is worth it. The guy ended up just donating the ball back. They're going to put it in their trophy case. Pretty awesome story. Unfortunate for Louie, he didn't win. But Louie handled the loss with class. After the loss, he let Bubba hug his mom and have a good time, and then he shook his hand. Did you get to watch that? I did not, but I'll tell you, I would add a fourth thing on there. Uh, if we're being allowed to bring our camera guy, uh, I, want, I want them to give us a camera guy. That's true. Less in traveling expenses for us. Always thinking the businessman you are. Listen, Frank. Frank's not doing a great job as it is, obviously, as a podcast. You know, I don't even know why we're paying him to be a video guy. Let me tell you something. Ridiculous. That is the easiest job in the business. The camera yeah. guy for a radio podcast. I'm Phenomenal. with you. Phenomenal. But speaking speaking of professional and saying the right things and doing the right things and easy jobs, let's move to Major League Baseball and talk a little Miami Marlins and Ozzy Gian. Big D, tell the listeners what happened for those of those of that those of them that weren't able to listen to hear about. It. Well, basically, uh, I, I guess the the real, the real way you got to look at this is that Ozzy Guillen uh, is an asshole. Uh, now, people have been excited. You know, I, I do actually know a real live Marlins fan. They uh, exist. They do uh, actually. Yes, Virginia, there is a Marlins fan. Uh, and uh, she, I'll tell you, she's a good girl regardless, but she is a Marlins fan. And you know, she was excited when they got Guillen. You know, you know. You're winning manager, he's exciting. But what you people forget, there's the other side of Ozzie Gian. The side that says ridiculously irresponsible, stupid things. And first of all, the part of the interview that nobody talks about, nobody seems to mention the fact that uh, he, he admits that after games, his way of relaxing is to just go to bars and get as drunk as humanly possible. That's overshadowed by the fact that in that same interview... He basically talked about his admiration for Fidel Castro for staying in power for so long. This is a man from Venezuela, you know, a Latin American country that currently has a dictator, talking about another Latin American country with a dictator, how he admires her, and he does it in Miami, the home of the biggest Cuban population in the world outside of Cuba. It's yeah, horribly you, irresponsible. You, you just don't, you don't say that. And, and as soon as that came out, the Miami Marlins hopped on the panic boat mutton with both hands and both feet. And they held, They decided to fly him back to Miami to have a press conference to address it. Because we all know the power of the court of public opinion. And frankly, Miami, this is the last thing Miami needed. They just built a brand new stadium in Little Havana in Miami. I mean, this is the last thing they needed. So they have a press conference. Ozzie Guillen is going to come on at 1030, explain himself, and apologize. That's what we're all expecting. So he gets on, he starts the press conference, and he does the entire... Now, mind you, he wanted... No presentation. He wanted no speech. He was going to speak from the heart. In speaking from the heart, he conducts his entire press conference 
or his quote-unquote statement before any Q&A, and he does so in Spanish. He addresses in Spanish. What do you think? Now, first of all, I hadn't seen this entirely, so uh, was there a translator provided? Yes. Okay, so th there was at least that. Um, you know, there's, there's two ways you can look at this. Uh, the first way, it, it's tough to see an American uh, franchise in the most quintessential American sport in a league based in America, where almost every team is from the United States. It's tough to see a manager, a face of that franchise, do a press conference in anything other than English. That's tough to see. Uh, you know, you, can, you could say, I mean, you know, he wants to speak from the heart, and that's why he chose to speak in Spanish. Uh, I'm not buying it. I, I do think, you know, it, it, it was a good call to appeal to the Cuban-Americans in their native language. Uh, but I, come on, Ozzy. Speak English. Yeah, I, We know you can. Where I'm coming with that is, I, as the media, we break down everything that's said by a public figure all the time. And Spanish is his first language. And if he is playing the, the angle of a misunderstanding or a miscommunication, don't provide an opportunity for another one by speaking a language that's your second language, however fluent you may be. I was fluent in French for the longest time because I took four years of it in high school. One of my sister's friends was from Belgium, and she was an exchange student. And I met her, and I greeted her in French because I could speak French. I'd taken it for four years. She responds with this barrage in French. I had no idea what she was saying. So was I fluent? Yeah, edgy, but it wasn't English. So I can see why if he wants to speak from the heart and be real and make sure he doesn't have to worry about his words, just worry about his message. Speak in the language you can subconsciously comprehend in all aspects, and that's what he did. But I completely hear your point. Well, here, here's the thing, though. Okay. Uh, Ozzy Gein is an American. I mean, he was born in Venezuela, yes. Fine. But how long has he been in this country? He's a naturalized U.S. citizen. Uh, him and his wife, actually, are, are both naturalized citizens and have been uh, for a few years now. He has spoken English pretty darn well. This isn't a guy who has taken four years of a language class and then tried to speak to a native speaker. This is a guy who's been speaking it for a long time. And just like Sammy Sosa conveniently forgot English during his, his hearings before the American uh, Senate, I believe it was the Senate, it could have been the House, either way, before Congress, just like Sammy Sosa conveniently forgot to speak English, Azagin knows English. This isn't this isn't about being misinterpreted. This is it's it's designed to appeal specifically to the Cuban American people, but I'm sorry, I still think this has got to be in English. Well, you know, after it was all done, the Miami Mons issued a statement saying that they are they are suspending Azagin for five games. Is that too harsh? Is that too soft? Should they have waited to get something from the commissioner's office? What do you think? Uh, i got to tell you, I, I don't think the commissioner's office really has uh, has a say in this. I, I feel like the team's the one that's got to handle it. And I think it's the team's prerogative. And listen, you're running a business here. You've got to look at this from the point of view of, will this make my brand look bad? Will this harm my brand? And it does. It absolutely does. So they absolutely have every right to suspend them. 
hell, I might have suspended, suspended him for more than five games. You know, five games is sort of the bare minimum the team could do. It's like they're saying to the community, community, yes, we get it. You're a little annoyed. Here's our token. Take it. Yeah, I, I look at it on a way I can understand, and that's food. And I look at it as, as I open up an Italian sandwich shop, and I go national with it. I dump tons of money into it. And my GM, in an interview, my general manager in an interview says, "Yeah, you know, the average, the, our, our average customer is a, is, is a giant, is a dumb, is a dumb meatball." Like, you can't make that comment about Fidel Castro when you are in Little Havana and your market is people of Cuban descent, Cuban Americans. What are you doing? That can't happen. I don't think five games is enough because I honestly think they should take a lot more pay from them. Moving on, I could talk about that all day. Let's go to the NHL playoffs. The regular season is in the books, and the regular season is behind us. So, Big D, are, like like the regular season being behind you, is your razor behind you? My razor right now is not behind me. It is playoff time. You know what that means? It means playoff beard. Bruins, we start you know, later in the week, so I figure I'll get one good shave in before then. Bury my razor, hide my razor. I don't know I don't know what I'll do. Well, listen, the playoff beard saw me through last year. It's gonna see me through this year. And I'll tell you this, you wanna talk about my playoff beard, you wanna talk about the Bruins. I look at the Bruins right now as one of the top two teams in in the East. Now we're gonna go into a little bit, you know, who we think the best teams in this are. And are the Bruins number one? Probably not. You got to look at the Rangers, best goalie in hockey, a tough physical team, and the scoring by finally... far, by far, by far the best goalie, absolutely. Uh, Tim, I mean Tim Thomas is a hell of a goalie. Hank Lundqvist right now is playing out of his mind. Good, uh, this team is finally starting to score a little bit, and I tell you, I, I think you got to look at the Rangers and the Bruins as as one A. One and one A, or one and two. Rangers, Bruins, and I think the Rangers have the edge. They've beaten the Bruins uh, three out of four times this year. But I'm telling you, the team that's going to the Stanley Cup from the East is one of those two. I like your pick. Um, you know, I'm a bit of a homeboy, being from the East. You know, the Northeast. I I think you're on to something with the Rangers. I think that's a great pick, and I think you're right. I, I think that the Boston Bruins could have a good postseason uh, very easily. I just, they're not my second team. I don't I, I don't think anyone realizes how good the Atlantic was. They sent four teams to the postseason, and all four could technically dominate, save Philadelphia. They're questionable. Well, I yeah, like they're, the, they're mostly questionable because of goalie injury. Uh, when Prisgall was playing well towards the end of the year, that team looked nasty. Yes. But, you know, what I look for is I look for two things. You know, and, 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 and I, I'm not known to be a hockey expert, so take it or leave it, but these are the two things I look for. Anytime going into the playoffs, I look for momentum. I want a team that's got momentum, and the team I'm looking talking about has won their last six games. So that's momentum. Mo- longest winning streak to end the season in the NHL right now. The second thing I look at is penalty kill percentage. It's the postseason. You get chippy, you get you get fiery, you throw bows, you high stick, you spend time in the sin bin. What team kills the penalties the best? 
And this team, in addition to the six-game six winning streak, is first in penalty kill, and that's the New Jersey Devils. So my, my two coming out, of the, coming out of the East are the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers. Boy, I'll, I'll tell you, here's the problem with the Devils, though. Right now, you know, this is a team with a plus-19 goal differential, not all that good. They also had 12 shootout victories, so you have to take those 12 away. Outside of shootout victories, the Devils were plus-7 in the regular season, plus seven. They don't really score all the way that well. They don't even really keep the puck out of the net all that well. They do a little bit of both. I don't think they've got what it takes. I, I absolutely don't see this team making a deep enough run. I'm just saying, look out. It could happen. You never know. I'm going outlandish. Let's move to the West. All right, let's. Go ahead. All right, then. Lead so, the okay. show. Well, in that case, you're talking about the West. You're talking about a couple of teams here. Obviously, you're talking about Vancouver, uh, the second-best goal differential in the league right now behind only the Bruins. Uh, they, have a fi- they have a 51 right now. Okay, now, once again, you take into account uh, the shootout wins. They've got eight. Shootout losses, they've got seven. So, you know, they, they've, they've, they're, that differential is pretty accurate. Uh, and i got to tell you, this team is good. They've got excellent goaltending, just like what uh, the Bruins got last year. They've got Luongo, a very solid starter, and they've got a backup in Corey Schneider. If Luongo falters, Corey Schneider put up ridiculous numbers this season. Absolutely ridiculous. Under a two goals per game. Uh, I mean, absolutely did everything you need to do. 937 save percentage. Uh, you got to look at this team as a potential strength. you got to look at them as someone that can go deep. Yeah, I, and I agree with you. I look at Vancouver for what you said. A big statistic there is the plus 51 goal differential. That's, that's huge. You know that that's huge. It, but another reason why I'm picking them is is they're they're hurt. I mean they are hurting from last year. They still have a chip on their shoulder, and they're, they're going to make a main categories: goals per game, goals against, power play percentage, penalty kill percentage. They're in the top five in the NHL and all. Of them. That's dominance. I mean that's just sheer dominance across the board. So that's why I like Vancouver. What what you're going to find, which you're going to be surprised by. And you're, you are going to be surprised by this. Is what team do I have joining them, potentially in the Western Conference Finals, or my second pick to win the Western Conference? And that's the Detroit Red Wings. And it is for no other reason than the fact that they throw octopus onto ice. Hi, yo, yo, yo. Can anyone say fried calamari? Well, like a real Italian, I say fried calamari, but it doesn't change the fact that absolutely octopus on the ice great tradition that alone has made winners out of, out of Detroit for a long time now absolutely so we've named our four who do you think takes the cup home well I'm gonna have to hedge my bets here I'm gonna go with either New York or Boston whichever you know, team comes out of the east is winning this whole thing you know you can't um, I'm making you pick one awesome all right one I'll pick New York or Boston right so then my one team is gonna be a team that competes in the NHL. I think Vancouver reverses the, reverses their bad fortune of last year. Everyone said it last year. Everyone's saying it again. St. Louis is not a threat. St. Louis versus San Jose has got upset written all over in the first round. I will bet your house and your car on that upset because I'm that confident in it. But well, I think it's going to be Vancouver. I'm just that I think there. it's going to be Vancouver. However, Vancouver, and I'll hedge my bets, Vancouver, New York. So, therefore, we both pick New York. Rangers hoist Lords Stanley's Cup. So that wraps up the NHL. 
Okay, so let's take just a quick few minutes here to talk about Major League Baseball. I just want to get a couple of surprises so far. A, couple, a pair of good ones, a pair of bad ones. My biggest surprises right now, I'm looking at the positive side. The Astros at 3-1, and one, the Mets at 4-0. and oh. These are two teams who may not have been expected to post seven combined wins so far this year. And they have looked good. They have both dominated against the Braves. Now, both of them are in action right now as we're speaking. So, you know, these, uh, these results could be changing. But they, they've looked good early on. And I think those are my two biggest surprises of the first couple of games. Yeah, and, and biggest surprise on the positive scale. Um, oh, and I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I'd like to see what Houston, New York can do because you know what? The, the Mets franchise has so much bad luck recently, they deserve some good luck. Let's look on the negative side and, and what we're surprised by. And there's an, my American League team is the Boston Red Sox, and my National League team is the Philadelphia Phillies. And we'll start with the Philadelphia Phillies. They're 1-3. They can't score. And it's not like they can't score a lot. They can't score at all. You're getting good games from your ace pitching staff, and you're not winning. That can't happen. I honestly think they are in serious trouble, and because I, I think their division's a lot harder and a lot more competitive than people give it credit for. They can't just middle about and wait for Utley and Howard to come back because if the hole's too big, they won't get out of it. My next biggest surprise is the Boston Red Sox. They've given up 28 runs in four games. 28 runs in four games. Six and a half runs per game. That is insane. And the, my, the, people ask, well, well, it doesn't mean anything. It's early. No, it does mean something. Because they started 0-4 last year. They went 2-12 and to start the year last year. And then they they recovered, and they started playing well, and they got a big, big, big lead. And then what happened? They had a giant collapse. And all kinds of bad stuff came out. And that's why they're in trouble now, is because the pressure is mounting from last year. I honestly think the Red Sox and the Phillies are in a heap, a heap of trouble. Yeah, it's true. Because you know what? Okay, fine. You're zero and four now. What does that mean? You're four games. Or you're one and three. You're yeah. It's four games in. Whatever. But what happens if the end the end of the year comes down to one game? And that one game, aren't you going to be looking back? You lose by a game. You're like, huh? If we won two of those games to start with, we'd be in the playoffs. And that's why you got to look at things in a whole different light. Listen, that being said, we've we've gone a little longer here in the first half than we wanted to. We're gonna have to sprint extra hard in the second half. But listen, I, while we I pause al- for a musical I break, I always sprint extra hard. Oh, I know you do, please. While we uh, while we pause for a musical break here, listen, I want you to to I want you to get in touch with us here. You know, bigdsleaze.blogspot.com. That's our blog. You know, uh, bigdsleaze at gmail.com. That's our uh, Gmail account, you know, so so catch us, you know, catch us there. Listen, but get Twitter's us the tw- biggest one. Twitter's, Twitter's absolutely the biggest, biggest one. one. Yes, get, get us, us on, at Twitter. Absolutely, you know, tweet at us all you want. You know, Big Dean's, uh, big is it Big D Sleeves or Big D and the Sleeves on Twitter? Big Big D Sleeves on Twitter. Hit us up. We're always looking to have some fun with it. We're on it all the time, not just before and after shows on Tuesday nights. All week long, we're there to answer your questions. That's it. We're cutting the break. Hey, get ready. Tie up the shoes. Stretch the hammies. It's sprint time, and we come back. Enjoy the music. Thank you. This town ain't big, this town ain't small, it's a little of both, they say. Our ball club may be minor league. But at least it's triple A 
We sit below the Marlboro Man, above the Rockville Wall. We do the wave all by ourselves. Hey, up a blind man could have made that call. We like our beer fat as can be. We like our dogs with mustard and relish. We got a great picture, what's his name? Well, we can't even spell it. We don't worry about the pen as much. We just like to see the boys hit it deep. There's nothing like the view from the cheap seats. The game was close. We'll call it a win. Go off to toast. The boys again, that local band is back in town. They got a kind of minor league sound. They're not that bad, they're not that good. But all in all, it's understood. We want to dance, they want to play. We wouldn't have it any other way. We like our beer flat as can be. We like our dogs with mustard. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're here for the second half of Big D and the Sleaze. You are listening to the best sports talk radio show in the area, Big City Sports, suburban style. All right, it's time for the second half sprint. I hope your spikes are laced, your hammers are stretched, and your throat is well hydrated. Here we go. We're running, we're gunning, we're motoring, and off we go. Second half sprint. First topic, Baylor University's basketball program. Facing NCAA sanctions. Remember, the women just went 40-0 and beat my beloved Lady Irish for the national championship. They are facing sanctions for sending 738 
impermissible text messages and 528 impermissible phone calls during dead periods where no contact with recruits is allowed over a span of the last two and a half years, is Baylor in trouble? Yes, although, I, first of all, I'd like to point out, this is the first time I, I, I've been, I'm, I'm so thrilled to have the term improper text message uh, without worrying about Brett Favre's penis. So, you know, I Im- feel like this is this is a great step forward. Um, so, you know, there's that. We've got that going for us. And you got to wonder, listen, you're, you're, you're Baylor. Okay, you're sitting there thinking, it's a dead period. You know you can't text. Knock it off. This isn't the end of the world if you can't text these people. You're like a 12-year-old girl with a first girl, boyfriend here. This is ridiculous here, Baylor. Knock it off. Yeah, it's not good. I think they're in trouble. Uh, and, and it's going to put a serious cloud because if you called not too long ago, Sports Illustrated did indeed write a giant article about the health of the athletic department at Baylor. This could put a pretty dark cloud over the top of it. Next topic, Bobby Petrino, head coach, should I say former head coach of the Arizona Razorbacks football, or I'm sorry, Arkansas Razorbacks football team. Over the last four seasons, 34 and 17, two BCS bowl wins. I'm sorry, one BCS bowl win, one Cotton Bowl victory. He was in a motorcycle accident not too long ago. Everyone said, you know, came out, everyone wished him well. Turns out he's fine. Well, here's one thing they forgot to disclose, and by they, by they, I'm sorry, sorry about that little technical difficulties. By they, I mean the Bobby Petrino did not disclose that he wasn't alone on his motorcycle. He was accompanied by a 25-year-old female that just got a job with the athletic department that Coach Petrino got for her. This all comes out. He makes a press conference and announces that it was an inappropriate relationship, and for that he's deeply sorry and apologized to his friends, his family, the community, the fans, students, and the athletes. Petrino gets let go by Arkansas, and they sit in there firing him with cause, and Petrino's not fighting. Doesn't it seem that he's getting let go based on a personal decision, not a professional one? Well, you've got to figure Bobby Kennedy weathered the same storm himself. Uh, he was allowed to continue to do his job ineffectively. So if Petrino's actually good at his job, I say let the man stay. That being said, it's he's not fired because he did something wrong. He's fired because he did something wrong in his personal life and covered it up. And if you can't trust a guy to, to disclose something like that, you think he's going to be wrong on the bigger issues. If there are even bigger issues, you've you got to wonder it that way. Credibility shot uh, with recruits and with, with uh, really boosters in, in general. you got to fire the man. Well, you know, covering up credibility, getting shot, college sports, topic of the last two, going to be the topic of the third one. Going to Coach Calipari in the University of Kentucky Wildcats. Congratulations on your national championship. Great for those players and Anthony Davis' unibrow. They hoisted the trophy. Here's the only thing I want to talk about. Coach Calipari is his first national title, but it's not his first stint as a head coach. Was a head coach at the University of Massachusetts, led them to a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, no championship. Head coach at the University of Memphis, led them to a number one seed in the tournament, no national championship. Head coach at Kentucky, led them to a, na- a number one seed in the tournament and a national championship. The last two number one seeds, Big D, at UMass and Memphis, were taken away because of violations of NCAA sanctions. Taken, stricken from the record books. Not a good track record. The fact that he even has a job is a conversation later. Any chance, and I'm not saying he did or didn't, any chance he might have cheated to get this number one seed? You know, you got to look at it as a strong possibility. Uh, I'm not exactly a, a Calipari fan. Um, he's not exactly the nicest guy in the world. 
this is a guy who uh, at one point referred to a sports writer uh, for the New York Star-Ledger, Dan Garcia, as a, quote, effing Mexican idiot. You know, you, you got to wonder if this is the type of guy that's going to be committing uh, these... these uh, sort of looking for here. Uh, help me out Infractions. Here. Infractions, thank you. You got to wonder if this is the kind of guy who's going to be committing these infractions everywhere you go. And yes, I think the answer is absolutely yes. You know, he's the king right now of the one and done. And I, I give it a good four or five years before this somehow gets voided on him. Yeah, not not a good track record. Shock his job, but moving on. Staying with basketball, but going to the NBA. Two topics. First, we're going to talk. We got to talk with the resurgent Celtics. The Celtics start at the bottom of the sprint, but because of their heat or hotness, they've moved up the sprint just like they're doing with the standings. They have straight up dominated. They have won eight of their last ten, and in the last ten, they in their eight victories, seven of them they held their opponent to under eighty-three points. They are dominating. They are tearing through. And funny thing, in the last 10 days, beat the Miami Heat twice. Not once. Twice. Are the Celtics, the team that was going to get sold apart and split up a couple months ago, are the Celtics, the team to beat coming from the East, are they serious title contenders? Well, I don't want to say they're the team to beat. They are definitely contenders here. Uh, Especially when you look at their only two losses in that stretch. Uh, they're San Antonio, uh, yeah, lost by one point, and they lost at Chicago uh, by seven points. You know, in there they've beaten some, some pretty good teams. Obviously, they beat Miami twice. You know, you go back to, shall we say, March 19th. In that stretch, that's one, two, three, four, five. I, I've lost track of all the little green W's here. It's only three losses going, going back almost a month. This team is on fire. They are playing out of their minds. And they're doing it with good defense. And the fact that they can keep that defense up for the season, they're third in the league right now uh, in, in points allowed with 89.3. And they're finally starting to score a little bit. you got to think, you know what, maybe the old men got one more in them. Yeah, and their road gets kind of easy with some easier games heading down the stretch. But they get Miami again on Tuesday, April 24th. We'll see what happens. All right, let's go. Now we'll just talk about the East. Let's go to the West. Lamar Odom, formerly of the Los Angeles Lakers, currently the husband of the wrong Kardashian, formerly the power forward for the Dallas Mavericks. Lamar Odom was traded away from Los Angeles to Dallas and was clearly disgruntled when that happened. Hasn't had a great season on, off. Former Sixth Man of the Year award winner last year. Had a rough season. In a game not too long ago, actually a game on Saturday night, he plays four minutes, plays terrible, four, he touches the ball four times, three turnovers. At halftime, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban, walks into the locker room and confronts Odom and, and, confronts Odom and says, are you in or are you out? I'm not seeing the passion. Are you quitting or are you here for the, the, real, the long haul? Odom gets all upset and angrily goes after uh, Cuban. Don't go after the owner. They split him up. They, inact- they deactivate him for the rest of the season. Can't sign with another team until the year's over, but it's not going to play another game. For, for the Dallas Mavericks. Did, they, did Cuban do the right thing, or has Odom been wronged? Well, the real question here is, how many NBA careers is the Kardashian family going to destroy? That's right, Chris Humphreys, I'm looking at you. But uh, when you look at it, yeah, Cuban made the right decision. If Lamar Odom was, at, was contributing at an insanely high level, maybe it's a different issue. It shouldn't be, but maybe it is. The fact of the matter is, he was ineffective, he was tearing the locker room apart, you got to get rid of him. 
Got to get rid of him. All right, last topic. Wrap up the sprint. We're going to go soccer. Thierry Henry is straight up lighting it up. The, the Frenchman making it happen on the pitch. What's going on? Well, Thierry Henry, a lot of people figured when he came over, all he was would be he'd be a name, you know. Here's a big name playing in the MLS. Go for it. But at 34 years old, in, set, in five games this, so far this year, Thierry Henry has seven goals, including his first MLS hat-trick this season. And he's just won, the, for the first time in MLS history, a third consecutive Player of the Week award. I'll tell you, guys lighting it up. It's good to see the team actually getting uh, incredible productivity from a guy like that. Great to see him playing it out here. Yeah. Wipe the brow, baby. We cross the finish line. The sprint is done, and we all know what that means. That wraps up the show. Pinky and the Brain are out. Remember, hit us up on Twitter, Big D Sleaze. Hit us up on Gmail. Hit us up at BigDTheSleaze.blogspot.com. That's the podcast. Follow us on Twitter. That's the best way we connect you to everything. Let it, give us your questions. We're dying to hear from you. We're done. I'm done. It's bedtime. Let's get out of this studio. Waffles on me. Absolutely. So remember, hey, you just listened to Big D and the Sleeves, the only podcast on the internet that encourages you to go big or get sleazy. That's right. We'll see you all next week. Take care.